0: Hello everybody and welcome to a conversa- another Conversations with Kesey. We are excited to have you here on a Tuesday and uh, for taking time out of your day to listen to this conversation. We have our great student moderator here um, who will be leading our discussion and her name is Rhea. And so Rhea, I will pass it off to you. Okay, thank you, Beja. Um, I'll just go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Ria. I'm a junior at the Kelly School of Business. And the way that I'm involved with KC Yay. is that I am currently the president of Civic Leadership Development. It's an organization that focuses on student impact on our community. Um, Dr. Joyce, did you want an opportunity to introduce yourself as well?
1: Um sure. Um my name is Kristen Joyce. Um, I'm on faculty at the University of Florida um, in our entrepreneurship and innovation center, where I direct the Social Impact and Sustainability Initiative, creating opportunities for students to learn about social impact and sustainable business. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for being with here with us today. Um, we can go ahead and get started. So one of the first questions that I wanted to ask you, I'm kind of going off what you just explained right now, um, what has been your career path and what has intrigued you to pursue social impact within that career?
1: Yeah, thanks, Trisha. So I just want to start by saying I'm so glad and grateful to be invited to share with you all today about big corporations um, because I love creating and being part of opportunities for students to learn to be change makers, and I understand that's what you're doing here with your conversations with Casey. So um, there were like it. Uh, this response could be really long, and I could spend our whole time sharing with you, but I think if I were to get really focused. There were three formative experiences that led me to pursue a career in social impact and sustainable and sustainability. Um, and so um, they, they all happened during my childhood um, and I guess going in chronological order. Um, the first happened when I was four years old in, in 1980, so I'm significantly older than many of you and I'm probably around your parents' age. Um, my parents separated and divorced when um, I was like four to five, and the reason my parents divorced was because my my dad was gay, and it was a very different world back then. Um, there weren't any out public figures. I think maybe Elton John was suspected of being gay, but that, um, you know, there was just no public role models. And it was at a time when um, being gay or being suspected of being gay meant that there was something wrong with that person, that they weren't normal and they should be feared because homosexuality was considered a pathology by the APA. And so the ICD-10 launched in 1990. So especially here in the South, um, it really meant that somebody was like going to hell in a handbasket. So as a very small child, I came to quickly realize that the messages that we get from society, um, like the assum- the stereotypes or the labels or the assumptions and expectations aren't always correct is my dad was the opposite of dad. He was the kindest, most conscientious, and really conservative, not politically, but in that like he never broke the rules, he wore really, conservative looking apparel, like suits. He didn't make waves. He was really soft-spoken. He was like the opposite of flamboyant. And he certainly didn't look gay, whatever that meant. He was the most thoughtful and generous and gentle and loving person in the world to me. And I watched as a child, as he lived in fear, playing small so as not to draw attention to the fact that he was gay. And even though he was out to a small group of gay men, many of whom later died of AIDS, but that's another story. He couldn't be out at work or in our community. So when I was very little, like very, very little, I realized that I wanted to do something to help people understand that their assumptions about other people might be wrong. And I wanted to speak up for people who are marginalized because of their sexual orientation, their gender, their race, or ethnicity, their socioeconomic status, their ability, appearance, nationality. As I grew older, the list of people who I was aware of experiencing discrimination or being marginalized became longer and longer. The second thing that happened in my childhood was I was a really um, brand loyal kid. Uh, I grew up in a household where we used cheer and not Tide to do our laundry, or we used Cottonelle, not Charmin toilet paper. We ate at McDonald's, not Burger King, or we drank Coke and not Pepsi. And those were just, that's just how it was. Um, and when I was in late elementary school, one of my best friend's older sisters, and we, you know, idolized our, our our friends, older siblings, um, she turned uh, me and her little sister on to issues related to animal rights. And so I started paying attention to brands that like test on animals versus those that didn't. And um, by the time I was in late elementary school, early middle school, Ben and Jerry's launched a campaign for a flavor where for every pint you bought, they gave 10 cents to causes that dealt with rainforest preservation of the Amazonian rainforests and how important they are to our entire ecosystem. And so I started being really intentional about supporting businesses that were using the power of business to do good in the world. And I also, in middle school, started volunteering with a number of nonprofits who had enterprising financial models. So instead of asking for donations, they were doing things to generate revenue to make a positive impact. Um, when I was in middle school, high school, and college, I voted for, or I voted, I volunteered for for, um, organizations like our local AIDS network and um, an organization called Gainesville Harvest that redistributed food. Um, and like many people, I'm sure many of you watching this in, in high school, you um, did a lot of community service. And what I realized was um, how profound and transformative community service can be. Um, that oftentimes you go in um, maybe as a high schooler feeling bad about yourself, you had just gotten in an argument with a friend or not done well on an exam or not done well on your SATs or whatever. And then you're reading to preschoolers and they crawl up in your lap and they ask you to read more and they ask you to come back. And um, you leave with a, even though you're there to give, you often walk away feeling like you gained more than you gave. And so, In my volunteering, I realized that a lot of nonprofits needed more resources because the more resources they had, the more good they could do. Um, And I also learned in that experience that in order to make a difference in the world, I didn't need to travel across the globe to help with Syrian refugees or people facing famine in Ethiopia, which was a big issue in the 80s when I was a kid. That work, of course, is very important. But what I discovered was that there are real needs in my own community, and there's real needs in everyone's community. Um, Also, around that time, I um, read a book uh, titled Earth and Balance, which was the book that I had asked for for my 16th birthday. And that's when I really became aware of um, the. The all the environmental issues that were being faced in the world. So um, I guess the third and like last piece of that is that um, during my junior year of high school, um, with one of the organizations I was really involved in, I was asked to give a speech, and that speech helped to catalyze my career, um, partly because I gave it in front of an audience of 2,000 people, and that's a lot of, that's really, you know, intimidating, overwhelming as a 16-year-olds. Um, and, and in that speech, I open with a line that says, so many times there's no peace outside our windows, extinction, pollution, unemployment, homelessness, racism, terminal disease, neglect, abuse in our society, the list goes on and on. And later that year, after I early admitted to college, I decided that not only did I want to learn how to solve social, environmental, and economic problems, I realized that I could probably have a greater impact if instead of choosing one to try to solve myself, I educated others to want to solve the problems that mattered most to them. So um, that's sort of a like a a quick version of how I came to do what I I do. I'm fast forwarding a bit and getting to some of like the more concrete information. When I was 25, I finished my PhD in social psych and sociology. My dissertation was on how millennials define success. And I was really focused on high achieving young people who wanted to make a positive impact in their communities and around the world. So in short, I was studying young social entrepreneurs or young change makers, but I didn't have those words because at the time, social entrepreneurship wasn't yet a discipline taught at any college or university where now at many schools you can take a number of courses in it and at some schools you can either minor or major or earn a master's degree in social entrepreneurship or social impact but when I was a student those kinds of things didn't exist so I was really interested in social psychology and positive psychology and um, sociology And one of the um, theorists that I read about that was really impactful for me was Eric Erickson. He talked about how humanity has four basic needs, belonging, identity, meaning, and purpose. And learning that has been foundational to my entire career teaching about social entrepreneurship, social impact, and sustainable business here at US. Um, I also believe that learning is a lifetime endeavor. So after I finished my PhD um, in 2003, I ended up earning a postdoc Stock in marketing and management in 2013, and then I earned certificates in social entrepreneurship both from INSEAD, which is a business school in France, in 2013, and then I got a big scholarship that enabled me to attend Stanford in 2014, and um, I earned a, a, a executive degree in social entrepreneurship there. Um, and there's no way I would have been able to afford that because I've had to support myself entirely since I was. 16 when I moved out. Um, and then uh, I also um, graduated from the Strategic uh, Communication Academy for Leaders and Scholars in 2017. And in spring of 2019, um, I completed a second program in social entrepreneurship at Stanford. And I also complete um, spent most of 2019 studying with um, Dr. Brene Brown, you might have heard of her. She um, has, I think, five New York Times bestselling books. And her most recent book is titled Dare to Lead. And I studied with her to become a Dare to Lead Certified Facilitator. And then in summer 2020, I certified again with her um, for with a focus on justice, equity, diversion, uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. So in short, and sorry, that was a long story, but I love what I do. I love that I get to spend my career um, directing UF Social Impact and Sustainability Initiative, where I have the honor and privilege of educating and empowering students to become change makers. So that's a little bit about me and, and what I came to do. And sorry, it was, it's, it's a long story.
0: No, wow, I loved hearing all of it. All of it. I was gonna say that. I gonna say does anybody else Ooh. Moving on. I just, I loved hearing all about that because I think a lot of us might have similar stories. You sharing things about your childhood, becoming aware about brands for the first time. And it's awesome to hear that those little moments can translate into something so much bigger and so more, so much more fruitful, like your career. Um, sometimes we all can feel really helpless, but realizing that you can help and that there are real needs in your own community is awesome. So I loved all of that.
1: Um, yeah,
0: thanks. yeah, no problem. So moving forward from that, you talked about how Um, when you learned about animal rights for the first time and you really started to pay attention to the actions of individual brands. That kind of, I guess, translates into my next question is how can college students at Kelly right now, um, as they're studying, follow a similar model of um, trying to look for sustainability within businesses and how they can identify these brands kind of going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're all consumers. We just are. That's part of um, being human. We have to consume air and water and food and um, resources. So as consumers, I think it's often really difficult to know when brands are telling stories versus those that are authentically walking their talk because there's a lot of greenwashing and goodwashing that goes on. So when... I think about how to distinguish between companies that are just making claims versus those that really have commitments um, and I and I could go through a number of examples you know when you're looking for a, a hoodie you know do you buy the Columbia hoodie or the Patagonia hoodie they're priced almost exactly the same they both brag about their commitments to the environment but how how do we really know um and we could do this again by looking at brands like i don't know chlorized fox greenwise cleaners we're all cleaning everything these days or like method cleaners or with makeup like um burt's bees or beauty counter or water bottles like i don't know hydro flask or swell or clean canteen or um, even a beer like you know, uh, for those who are over 21, like dog fish Head Beer versus New Belgium Brewery or Hanes Socks versus Bomba Socks. So in all of those pairings, the first one claims to do good, and the second one is a certified B Corporation. And I think that's really the easiest way that we as consumers can know, um, can really trust and believe that the company we're buying from isn't just greenwashing or good washing, they're really walking their talk around sustainability.
0: So what is a B corporation specifically and who are some B corporations?
1: Yeah, so um, a B Corp, um, the shortest answer, and I'll give you the shortest answer and then a little bit more, is that they leverage the power of business as a force for good. So B Corporation certification was started in 2008 by a nonprofit organization called B Lab. And their vision is of an inclusive, equitable, and regenerative economic system for all people and the planet. So at B Lab, they emphasize three pillars justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion by centering people who are historically underrepresented and marginalized, climate action by becoming part of the climate solution. And there are over a thousand certified B corporations that have all pledged to be carbon neutral by 2030. And third is stakeholder governance by making a change to the operating DNA of corporations and the economy to privilege stakeholders, not just shareholders. So basically, B corporation certification is to businesses, like fair trade certification is to things like coffee or kale or apples, or USDA, or sorry, fair trade is to things like coffee or sugar or rugs, or USDA certification is to things like apples or kale or milk, or LED certification is to green building. So certified B corporations are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance public transparency, and legal accountability, because they want to balance profit and purpose. In short, as I said, their businesses that leverage the power of business as a force for good. There's um, about 4,000 certified B Corps and over 150 industries in more than 74 countries around the world, and they range from Major multinational corporations like Natura, to wholly owned subsidiaries like Seventh Generation, to small businesses just in, a, in serving only a local community like Harvest Market. There are some really familiar names that I'm pretty sure almost everyone who is watching will um, be familiar with. Brands like Patagonia, Ben and Jerry's, Tom Shoes, Seventh Generation, Method Cleaners, Stonyfield Farms. Um, yogurt, Danone also makes yogurt, Eileen Fisher, Athleta, which is uh, one of the Gap brands, All Bird Shoes, Code Epoxy, uh, Clean Canteen, and Swell water bottles, I think I already mentioned New Belgium Brewing, uh, Dr. Bronner's, the soap brand, beauty counter makeup brand, uh, WeWork, and Kickstarter. Those are all uh, certified B Corporations.
0: Awesome. awesome. So I know kind of went into this, but um, so what are the specific requirements for a company to be able to become a B Corps or what are things that could keep them from becoming a B Corps certified organization?
1: Yeah. So the certification process is incredibly rigorous. And um, I just finished teaching a class on B Corps um, because our spring is divided into two halves. So in the first half of spring, and I noticed on almost all the students' final assignment, they said that Before taking the class, they thought that B Corp certification wasn't that much different from any other certification and most companies could probably just pay some money to buy it. But after going through the B Corp certification process, they realized how incredibly rigorous it is and how challenging it is and that it's not something that you could do Um, just out of a greenwashing effort that it really takes a true commitment to sustainability and social impact. So the standards that are used are credible, comprehensive, transparent, and they're independent. So there's an assessment called the B Impact Assessment. We call it the BIA, and it measures the company's performance in five categories. Their suppliers, their workers, their customers, the community, and the environment. And um, what happens is that uh, a company takes the BIA, and if you're a service-based company, there are just a few hundred questions. If you manufacture something, there are many hundreds of questions because you're responsible for your entire supply chain. So you have to answer lots and lots of questions about the, the entire supply chain and how you manage your waste, if any, hopefully very little. Um, And then uh, what happens is that after you have scored uh, 80 or higher on the B Impact Assessment, you can submit for verification. The folks at B Lab, which is the nonprofit behind B Corporations, um, will do an independent verification of at least 20 of the questions. So they randomly select 20, and they ask you to give them actual evidence and data to prove your responses to those questions. And then, if you make it through the verification process, then you pay an annual fee. And then every three years, you certify again. And anytime during those three years, they can come do a site visit to ask for additional verification. So it's a really, really challenging uh, certification. There are more than Two hundred thousand businesses that use the B Impact Assessment platform to understand their score, but currently there's only about four thousand certified B corporations all around the world.
0: I love hearing all. I love of hearing that. all. Of that. Love how rigorous it love is. How rig- rigorous it is because it shows that there's a commitment there to um, actual truth and actual
1: sustainability. So that's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. And Rhea, you know I. I was anticipating that um, some students might have um, confusion behind the difference uh, in a certified B Corporation and a public benefit corporation. So mm-hmm. I wondered if it might be helpful for me to share a little bit about that as well. For sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. B Lab, the nonprofit behind B Corporations, um, they started in 2008, and part of what they saw happening were that some companies, like Ben & Jerry's, for example, Ben Jerry's got bought out by Unilever in the early 2000s because of stakeholder primacy. So enough of their shareholders voted to be acquired by Unilever because it was more profitable and the folks at B Lab realized that that's a problem because that's always going to prioritize shareholders which are the wealthy people rather than the values that a company was started with and Ben and Jerry themselves were disappointed to have been bought out by Unilever And so what B Lab did is they started working on two things simultaneously. So on one hand, they created the certification process for companies to become certified B corporations, and they started working with state legislatures to create a new corporate form so that companies could incorporate as benefit corporations, sometimes known as public benefit corporations, sometimes abbreviated as PBCs it took a while for that to pick up because every state has different legislative requirements for their companies. So um, where you all live in Indiana, it's different from where I live here in Florida. And um, thankfully, over the past um, almost 15 years, there are now almost 40 states that have benefit corporation legislation. So what that means is that a company, instead of being an LLC or a C corp or an S corp, they can incorporate as a benefit corporation so that it's written into their charter that they um, are um, prioritizing stakeholder primacy over shareholder primacy. So they're putting people and the planet at the same level as their prosperity. Um, And there are some companies that are both. So for example, Patagonia is both a public benefit corporation and a certified B corporation. Awesome.
0: Awesome. So So, uh, uh, going off off, then, if companies are able to incorporate as a public benefit corporation, um, why is B-Core certification important? Why would companies want to do this if the selection process is so rigorous? Why does it matter? Why should companies care about
1: the environment? Just Yeah, so um, I'm actually gonna... I think a stronger answer for this rather than my words is sharing with you some words from some other people. So um, Rose Marcario, who's the CEO of Patagonia, she's not the founder, but she's the CEO. Um, she says that the B Corp movement is one of the most important of our lives. Um, And Jay Cohen Gilbert, um, one of the co-founders of B Lab, shared in his talk, uh, his TED talk, a quote from Esquire magazine that said that B Corps might turn out to be like civil rights for Blacks or voting rights for women, eccentric, unpopular ideas that took hold and changed the world. Larry Fink, who's the CEO of BlackRock, which is the um, largest venture capital fund in the world worth like over $6 trillion, wrote an Oprah letter to CEOs in 2018. And he said, we need a new model of corporate governance to tie society's expectations of the role of business and society have changed, and that all companies need to demonstrate the social value they create, or they will ultimately lose their license to operate. And Tim Griner from Sustainable Brands said last year, 2020 begins the decade of B Corps and Benefit Corporations. So I really believe, or he said, I really believe that companies that will thrive in the coming year will be the ones that have purpose integrated into their business. They're companies that understand the importance of maintaining a balance between pro- profitability and positive impact on people and the planet. They will help to solve important social environmental problems, including chi- climate change and inequity through their business. So um, basically, I think that uh, the reason why businesses should jump through the hoops to become certified B Corporations is that's how you let consumers know that you're not greenwashing, you're not good washing, you really have a true commitment to walking your talk around sustainability. And there's some, there's a little bit of data um, around the difference between Uh, certified B corporations and other businesses. And I'm just going to give you a a few pieces around this. So um, in terms of the environment, B corporations outperform ordinary businesses by 15% on natural resource conservation. 98% of B corps that are involved in manufacturing have incorporated energy efficient measures within their facilities. And B corps are two and a half 2.8 times more likely to use 100% renewable energy than ordinary businesses. In terms of equity, diversity and inclusion, B Corps are 10% more diverse than ordinary businesses. B Corps are 81% more likely to have transgender inclusive healthcare coverage than ordinary businesses. Um, they're 33% more likely to have gender inclusion training than ordinary businesses, and they're 45% more likely to have diversity and inclusion training concerning people of color than ordinary businesses. In terms of their workers, B Corps are 27% more likely to pay 100% all of their hourly workers a living wage in comparison to other businesses. And they're also two times more likely to be owned by people of color. And they're also six times more likely to be owned by women than our um, other American businesses in general.
0: That's awesome. That was very well said on your part and the people that you quoted. Um, I fully believe that sustainability is a universal issue and it's not going to go away. So you're totally right. We should change the way that um, we go about our business in a way that can benefit everyone. Um, and so then one last thing that I wanted to ask you um, mm-hmm. is so what is B academics and how does that relate to um, students
1: that are currently in college that might be interested in B Cores and in general? Yeah, so. B Academics is the global B Corp academic community. So it's a network of educators and researchers and students from around the world who are committed to accelerating the sustainable business movement by studying the global movement of B Corporation certification and benefit corporations. So B Academics work with each other and the global B Lab network and the B Corp community to share best practices and identify uh, opportunities for collaboration regarding research teaching and experiential learning the the vision of the academics is to advance a state of academic study for business as a force for good so membership is open to everyone who is an academic a student a practitioner or a policymaker. and i'm pretty sure that our student rate is just 50 dollars and well worth it because when you become a member of the academics you have access to a growing repository of research and resources um, members receive a copy of better business how the b Corp movement is remaking capitalism until our number of copies run out i'm not sure how many more we have but the first few uh first i think 100 members receiving copies there's um access to our quarterly b academics workshops and our Q2 workshop is coming up in June. It'll be on teaching. The Q3 workshop is coming up in, I believe August or September. And that'll be on research and the Q4 workshop I think is gonna happen in December. And I'm not sure what the topic of that will be yet. So there's access and connections to the global network of the academics, which includes close to 2000 educators, researchers, students and practitioners from over 50 countries representing more than 600 different organizations. And again, I, I think the student rate is just $50 and we're working to create um, a networking platform specific for our student members so they can connect with other students at colleges and universities.
0: So how are students so how are- able to join? Are there like chapters at their university or, you know, is it like more of a you know, go on the website,
1: sign up, and then have all these tools available to you? Yes. So, Academics is a relatively new organization and membership just launched in January. So it's as easy as going to beacademics.org, clicking on membership, signing up, and then because you're a student, you can be placed into our student networking group, which I think might be um, a LinkedIn group, but I'm not entirely sure because I'm not a student. And I'm also um, chair of, Uh, teaching and curriculum innovation, not membership, but I would be more than uh, happy to circle back with my colleague who is chair of membership and find out exactly um, how the student members are connecting.
0: Awesome, well, thank you very much. I think that brings it to the end of the questions that I had prepared. So I'd like to thank you for your time at this moment and open it up for any questions that we might have for Dr. Joyce at this moment. Yeah.
2: Hi, Dr. Joyce. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you went in so much to the, the some really great statistics about B And I think one of the th- questions a lot of our students are asking is, how would I um, intern or how would I get a job and why would it be beneficial? I went to a, um, a B academics. I, you know, I got to learn more about B and where, you know, we got to, I was in, you and the work that you're doing and there was a statistic about the number of employees like the rate of retention um that employees working at a b4 are more likely to stay satisfied and stay there so so thinking next steps for our students how involved and why would they want to work at a b4 yeah
1: i don't have that statistic in front of me but i think it's something like the retention rate is I think 200 times higher than in a usual business. And I apologize. I just, actually, I might have it here um, or not. I remember but, yeah. it was significant. <laughs> yeah. I think I am pretty sure I don't, I would be happy to look it up and, and follow up with you, but I think it's something like 200% higher. And also there is another number around um like the number of very well qualified uh applicants that b corps get when they post positions because people really want to work for b corps they want to work for businesses that they know care about them and businesses that give them a sense of purpose and meaning around the work that they're doing so um uh this wasn't your question, but if you have students who are interested in, or it wasn't exactly your question, but if you have students who are interested in working for B Corps, there's actually a website, B Work B like the number B, Wr K.com, and that's all B Corporation jobs. So it's job posting specifically um, for B Corps. Sometimes there's internships listed there, and Florida for Good and the for Good movement are also this summer working to um help do matchmaking between students who would like to intern with B Corporations and B Corporations looking for interns. So um, I can get you more information about that. There, there's um, a form for students to fill out. I, I don't have the URL right in front of me, but I'd be happy to send you that afterwards and um, you can share that with your students.
2: That would be great. And um, I really appreciate that. We could share it with our um, in our KC newsletter, but KC, um, became a member of B Academics earlier this year. And um, I for- transitioned that part as to, to how we got to learn more about B Corps. So um, that would be great. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, um, I think actually like piggybacking off what you just asked, um, I-, I could say two more things. There are two, the, the B Corporation website itself is pretty clunky and um, slow load and not so easy to navigate. But there are two fabulous websites that they have that aren't directly linked there. I mean, they are somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but um, that are easier. One is be the change.com. And that is sort of like their news site. And they have great um, posts and articles that are really accessible and really easy for everybody to read of examples of B Corps doing really impactful work. So that's be the change, the, the letter B, the change. Um, And then B Work, which is the the jobs website. So both of those I I could um, highly recommend as like fabulous sites for um, students or really anybody who's interested in learning more about and getting involved in the the B Corp movement.
0: You mentioned the book that's part of the the student membership. Are there any other resources, whether it's books or articles or podcasts or websites that you recommend um, people check out to learn more?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. I'm, um, if we weren't on zoom, and I might only be dressed professionally from the top half. I'd get up and go to my bookshelf and grab a few to hold up and show you as suggestions, but um, I'm not gonna get out of my chair. So um, there is another fabulous book that I can recommend and that's the Beakorp Handbook. And um, there are two editions, the first edition, second edition. I would recommend the second edition um, by uh, Ryan Honeyman and Dr. Tiffany Janna. the second edition came out in 2019. And not only does it walk you through the nuts and bolts of how to become a certified B corporation, it also really elevates and amplifies the importance of JEDI-related issues. So justice, equity, diversity, inclusion. In every chapter, they talk about how to Do the thing that you need to do and make sure that you're doing it in a way that is as inclusive as possible. So that's another great read beyond um, Chris Marquis's book Better Business is the B Corp Handbook by Ryan uh, Honeyman and Tiffany Jana. And then in terms of like websites and resources really Um, There's so much goodness to be found on the Be The Change site, Um, I would recommend using that as a starting point for anybody who's curious about learning more about certified B corporations and the B Corp movement.
0: All right, and just a final question um, for the sake of everybody else is how do we find out if a business is a B Corp? Is that something that is available on their website or...
1: Something like that. Yeah, so I know that we don't use slides um, for these presentations, or I would uh, show you the uh, logo, um, but I, I think I'm going to lean over for a second. I think I have um, a big version. So you would look for this logo. Um, And when you see products or services or websites, um, then you know that it's a certified B Corporation. And about two years ago, Whole Foods actually did a partnership with um, B Corporations and during back to school, back when that was a thing during back to school shopping time. um, They had uh, aisle-enders featuring all the B Corp um, products that they sold in the store, whether it was preserved toothbrushes or um, a food product Um, and they uh, prominently displayed the B Corp logo. So as consumers, that's how you can know. Um, You could also go to the B Corporation website. There is a directory there. It's a little slow and clunky so uh you'll most often find it even on the labels so like now when you buy clothing from patagonia or athleta you'll you'll see the the, the b court um certification uh on the label itself awesome well
0: thank you for being here with us yeah. today. That's all the time that we have right now but i just wanted to say that we really appreciate you being here and this is all very valuable information for um our students, everyone in KC, and just people in general that are going to be joining the job market soon, and want to make sure that they can do their part.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Ria. So I would like to close by by sharing just a little bit. Do you have just a little bit of time yeah, for me to say yeah, goodbye? Yeah. So I um, I'm a huge cheese for quotes. I've already shared some, but. There's one quote that I think says this better than anything, and that is by Anna Lappe. She said, every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want. And so I think about that when I think about B Corps. You know, we, we have the choice as consumers to um, spend our money supporting businesses that are committed to really walking their talk around sustainability and social impact, or we can choose to spend our money with businesses that aren't. Um, and so I, I really love that every time you're spending money or casting your vote for the kind of role you want. Um, and then if I might just offer a bit of advice, um, especially if you're thinking about your careers um, as today comes to a, a close. Um, in my nearly 20 years of teaching about social impact and sustainability, I've learned a few things that I would love to share with those of you who are future change makers. I think we're all future change makers, partly because four years ago this week, um, my, my dad was in hospice and um, he passed away uh, What would be, what, this coming Sunday um, from cancer. And I learned a lot in that few weeks he was in hospice. And I just would love to share um, a little bit because I think it really relates to our discussion today around um, business as a force for good and in pursuing careers that give us a sense of purpose and meaning. So the first one is don't be afraid to ask for help because you don't know what you don't know. The second is time is all we have in this life and it's precious and valuable and fragile and fleeting and is hopefully spent intentionally doing things through both our personal lives and our careers that make a positive impact in the world. And if you don't know what to do, Ask how you can be of help or volunteer, because every paying job I've ever had came from first asking what I could do to be of help, of service to other people. Adam Grant, who's a professor at Wharton, the number one rated business school at UPenn, he talks about this in his book, Give and Take. He says, instead of looking for helpers, we should all be encouraged to be helpers. The third thing is that everything we want is on the other side of fear. Jack Canfield said that. And Mary Daly was quoted in Brene Brown's book by saying, we learn courage by couraging and Maya Angelou, who's just one of my favorites, says courage is the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can't be consistently fair or kind or generous or forgiving or any of those without courage. Number four is another quote from Renee Brown. She said, connections why we're here, it's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. And what I learned in losing my dad is that what we know matters and who we know matters, but it's really who we are that matters most. So lastly, in short, especially during these pandemic times, I think we all need more courage and kindness in our lives. I think gratitude and hope, they go go really far too, but keeping it simple, I'd say, embrace and offer courage and kindness as much as you can. So thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me to be part of your KC series. It's been such an honor and joy to be with you today sharing about B Corporations and the B Economy that's not only changing the face of business, it's making a positive impact on people and the planet and prosperity. So I'm happy to share any follow-ups by email. Um, you're welcome to share my email address with folks. I'm also pretty easy to find on Linktree. It's Linktree and then my first name and last name smooshed together. Um, so again, if there's anything else I can do, um, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much for having me again, Rihanna and Shana.